welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. I am thrilled to have my guest with me today. I have seen her from uh, the stage when I've attended If Gathering and her words have meant so much to me, and she has a new book coming out, and so agreed to come and be on the podcast. My guest today is Vivian Mabuni. She is she ministers with crew. She's an author, a teacher, a mentor, a mom, a wife, a speaker, and her her words, especially her words about she's an Asian American woman, and her words about the value of Asian American voices in her heart for. Asian American women using their voices and doing what God has set before them has inspired me in ways that I didn't expect to to see and to recognize voices that are other than my voice and to encourage where I can encourage and kind of maybe push forward <laughs> where I can push forward. So it is such a treat to welcome Vivian Mabuni to the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. I wish we were sitting across a real table, yeah, this is definitely the next best thing. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say by way of introduction? I am the mom of three kids. So my oldest is 25, 22, and 17, two boys and a girl. Okay. So, And we live in Southern California. So is your youngest still at home, finishing up? Yes, yeah, in high school. Up. Okay. So, and you have and how long have you been working with if gathering ministering with if gathering so i have been actively a part of if gathering since 2015 mm-hmm. when tasha morrison did the very first racial reconciliation roundtable yes so that was the beginning of it all okay. and um has since been involved and have loved uh, linking arms with such amazing women uh, i enjoyed i wrote um an if equipped bible study called seek first mm-hmm and there I was able to capture in, you know, how if does everything so beautifully, but mm-hmm. in it is, is really the, the essentials of the Christian faith, exactly what I would do if I were to sit down with a brand new believer, okay. someone who's never even cracked open the Bible, or even someone who's grown up in church, but may not have foundations of the faith in place, or just needing to kind of fill in some of the foundations. And so uh, I wrote that study also with the desire that women would be able to take that material to teach other women who would teach other women. Mm-hmm. So it's a very transferable, uh, if equipped study. So I'm thrilled about that and then have had the privilege of speaking main stage at both the if gathering and at if lead. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, if I was in Austin that year, 2015, that was the first time I had been to if as well. It's just been very, very transformative at the podcast, having a podcast, Stepping out and doing something that feels this out of my comfort zone is, I mean, if is partly to blame for that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, me too. Me yeah. too. <laughs> I know. Isn't it interesting to think like where we are, like, I don't think any of us potentially could imagine where we are right now three years ago mm-hmm. and just how much can happen in just a matter of time. Like, you know, we have no idea what will happen two years from now even. But I don't know. I'm just struck with uh, as we move out into these, into taking steps of faith, mm-hmm. how that really does uh, unleash untold possibilities. And, and really, I think, a way of seeing God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So mm-hmm. we're able to then influence and touch people's lives that we wouldn't otherwise be able to. Yeah. And for me, it's been, first of all, realizing that I... I had to pray that I would become uncomfortable in my comfortable and that God would push me out of it, that he would make it so that I couldn't stay in here. And and I would see people who were uncomfortable, who were comfortable in what I would call uncomfortable things. And so I kept looking at them going, okay, God, I want to, I want to get to that place where I can be comfortable in the uncomfortable. I'm still working on it, but, but in process. Yeah. That's such a good word. And I think when we take those steps, it kind of gives people permission to do the same. Right. It's like, 
it, it, it helps to inspire. It's, it's kind of like that dynamic that takes place in a women's Bible study where everyone's kind of talking on a surface level, and then finally someone breaks in and says, hey, this is where I'm really struggling. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it just opens up people to take those risks. Right. And I think in the same way when we do something and we're comfortable and we're uncomfortable, and we're even stumbling along, we don't have to like nail it every time. Right, right. It really does give permission and vision for others to try to do the same, to try to take those same types of faith steps. Yeah, I think it creates a safe space for people to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you're doing mm-hmm. the first one. Yeah. Which is a great segue to the book that you have coming out called Open Hands, Willing Heart, Discover the Joy of Saying Yes to God. And, and I'm not quite done yet, but I just finished this section on the things that hold us back. Boy, Vivian, you did not <laughs> you did not hold back when you were writing this. So what was it that inspired you to write this book? You know, this book really is probably a life message for me, uh, but the the, pick, the idea of surrender and living surrender, I think it is a decision that comes in the life. In it's a decision in the life of every believer that they come to faith in Jesus by faith, mm-hmm. and they open their hands and their heart to the Lord. But then we come to crossroads continuously in our lives, where once again we're faced with whether or not we're going to live surrendered. And if we choose to live surrendered. That means that God's Spirit is then able to be activated and move in and through us to really empower us to live out the Christian faith. Because left to ourselves trying to just, you know, like, muster up our own limited energy, we run out. We, like, we run out of steam, and we can't, we can't live the Christian life. It's impossible to live the Christian life in our own efforts. So I feel like there's a direct correlation with surrender and God's Spirit and power being able to help us to walk in his way. Mm-hmm. So there's, um, there, I think that most people, most people want to live, uh, pleasing the Lord. And so I think that the book really, I try to be really practical and that's kind of the section you're talking about on what mm-hmm. gets in the way. But I think most people really desire that, but we end up clenching our fists mm-hmm. and holding on to our, you know, being angry that life isn't plan A or what we pictured it was going to be. Or we live with resentment or what apathy, you know, all the right. things that, we, that I wrote about <laughs> in those chapters that you just, however, it gets better. Well, mm-hmm. it's still challenging because even with that, living surrender does look like being able to embrace God's no and, you know, just there's more about building bridges instead of walls. And so that's the second half. Is, so I, I kind of like focused on, you know, it's, so hard for us to open our hands and have a willing posture if we don't see God clearly. And so our commitment to the study of the Word of God and being in environments where we're encouraged to see God as He really is, mm-hmm. but that really is the starting point to living a life of surrender, because we can't trust someone that we don't know, right. you know? And mm-hmm. so the more we know Him and not just about Him, it helps us to trust Him. And I think with that is this it's a, I, I like to paint visual pictures, but if you were to like, imagine your mind a big mountain that we're trying to ascend, and we keep circling around the mountain, and there's this river of trust that begins at the top of the mountain where the snow is melting, it goes all the way down to the bottom. And so we kind of cross over that river of trust when we first begin, and then we keep in our journey, and as we keep going, we keep crossing that river of trust, and again, needing to choose to be in. And every time, it's still hard. Mm-hmm. It's, but as we get farther in the journey, we see farther. You know, our view is higher. We see God's faithfulness in, in the previous times when we've trusted Him. Mm-hmm. And that helps us. It buoys our faith. But it's still hard to get into the water to cross the river of trust. Right. So that, to me, is, again, like this, this um it's progressive. It's a progressive decision in our faith. It's part of our sanctification of becoming more like Christ. Yeah, I love what you said about knowing, having ac- having an accurate understanding of who God is. And something I've been realizing lately is that He is, un- well, this I knew, He's unchanging. It feels like He's changing because my understanding of Him is changing. And so like, so on page in the chapter called A God Who Can Be Trusted, you say, 
When God says he's all loving, it means he is good. His intentions are good. His motives toward us are good. His love is so great that he would rather die than live without us. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? And that is something that I've been struggling with lately is God's goodness or realized that's what it was that I was struggling with. And and I had a wrong understanding of what good meant. My definition of good was feel good, not, Mm. not what it is, which is so nuanced and like sometimes even hard to put words to, but yes, but that I, so I love the way that you said that, that he's all loving and that means that he's good. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think that that is probably the, one of the bigger challenges because I'm a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I was diagnosed at 42, three oh. kids at home, you know, young mom. And I, I think that it really challenged my understanding of God's goodness because mm-hmm. in my mind, like what, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a front row seat to watch every milestone in my child, children's lives and to grow old and to uh, live the good life, really. It, and really, it's a life of connection. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that there's nothing wrong with desiring those very things. And so this idea of the goodness of God does not necessarily equate to pain-free. Right. And abundance like you're referring to, mm-hmm. Angela, isn't like, you know, everything going my way, mm-hmm. but that there's still a foundation of trust that, gosh, I can still lean, and instead of shaking my fist at God, I can lean into Him mm-hmm. in the darkest nights and the worst times. And I think that that's where it really shifts it when we are in pain, really, and we can say, God is still good. My circumstances are not good, but I think that that even goes with the idea of, you know, to give thanks in all things, not to give thanks for all things, but Mm -hmm. to give thanks in all things. Mm -hmm. That word difference makes all the difference. It does. That's a huge distinction. How about, I mean, in your life, like, is the good, like, how is that um, playing out for you? Well, for it has to do with cancer. My mom died of uterine cancer and and God could have healed her. And he didn't. Mm -hmm. So there's the tension of he could have and he didn't, but he's still good. And how do you marry those two things together? Mm. And coming to understand that, first of all, he didn't cause her cancer. Like he didn't go, oh, I'm going to give her cancer because then I can be glorified. No, 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 Mm -hmm. no, no. She had it and he showed up and, and showed up in a, thousand ways some a thousand small ways and and the good that I've and he will make good from that really hard painful circumstance so I've been able to come alongside people in ways that I wouldn't have been able to had I not walked through that and the the depth of my intimacy with the Lord walking through that is something that I wouldn't I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't want to go through it again. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah but I wouldn't mm-hmm. trade that intimacy. Does that resonate with your yeah. experience? Resonates completely. And I think, I mean, it's, um, yeah, we're sitting across Skype, and I can see the tears in your eyes. Yeah. I have tears in my eyes. It's <laughs> like, there's nothing, there's nothing good about the circumstances. No. Uh, and I think that in those times, the nearness of the Lord if we allow him to be there is like you said, it's just unmatched and the, and the wrestling actually, it it grows our heart, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think about uh, even like our view of God changing, like, um, was it Lucy in the Chronicles of Narnia where she later on, like she goes, Aslan, did you grow bigger? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you seem bigger. And she, he's like, no, I'm not any bigger. It's just that you know me more. Like, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I wonder if that, that's, part of the journey and I find comfort in Jesus and um, his interactions with Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. And I think, you know, here the son of God knew that he would raise Lazarus from the dead and yet he entered into their 
peace. Like mm-hmm. he wept with them. And I, I, um, yeah, I don't think he ever comes to us with, you know, Hey, just trust me. And, right. you know, so Bible verses our way, but he actually is present and near in the hardest time. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's soul altering, I think, to walk through what you, what you, what you walk through and grief isn't linear. It just, it circles back around again. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I resonate deeply, and I think that having gone undergone the medical journey, it's, I, I think I've found it to be an appreciation I never had before because I had been healthy. Right. You know? So, here, grab our tissue. Yeah. <laughs> tissue break. <laughs> yeah, take a break. <laughs> Another thing that I really appreciated that you talked about is that when we go to Scripture, we should be going script going to scripture to know God better versus it being all about us and knowing I mean, I think it's a byproduct that we know ourselves better when we know God better, but that shouldn't be the the purpose of it. There's there were so many subtle tweaks and switches that you were talking about that are I, I mean, I've heard somebody else talk about it that if you make just a little bit of an angle change down the road, that causes huge change. So just yes. that tweak of I'm going to go to scripture to learn about God, not necessarily, not that that's bad to go there to learn about ourselves, but not all the time. Like we need to be focused on the Lord. Exactly. I think that we have, I mean, I think we're, we're in a pretty narcissistic time of, you know, history and mm-hmm. got selfies, Instagram, <laughs> all these things that, in, uh, that really point to self. And I think we, but we often in North America, especially our North American Western Christianity, we tend to go to the Bible, I think, with almost like reading a horoscope or a fortune mm-hmm. cookie, like, oh, what's the little thing for me today? And reading it really in a in a self-focused way. And I think that switch, I think I agree with you, Angela. It's like as we um, shift our eyes to who God is, that kind of sets everything else in perspective. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the little tips that I do is I read my Bible with a four-color clicky pen. Okay. And every time I come across a name of God, I'll, I'll box it, like Father, King, Judge, um, Door, mm-hmm. you know, Bread of Life. Any name of God I will box so that kind of highlights it. So I'm reading with intention, and I'll underline any of his character qualities, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his holiness, his compassion, his kindness, all of those things. And so that helps me to read with more intention. And so I've just always tried to come away with having read this, what do I learn about who God is, his character, his motives, his ways, and then what do I learn about what God would like for me to do or change or tweak mm-hmm. in my life. And that's more, you know, so I use a different color for that. And I have a, I, I use green for sin, like, you know, green with envy. So, mm-hmm. so I see consequences of sin. It's very clear in the scriptures, like, whoa, that's a consequence of sin. And then it's <laughs> the promises of God. I, I use blue, like, mm-hmm. okay, these are the promises of God. You know, he'll never leave us or forsake us. Right, so. right. And walk every step with us, mm-hmm. no matter what we're going yeah. through. Yeah. The So in the book, you talk about all these things that are holding us back from opening our hearts. So will you tell me a little bit about the the second half was living an open-handed life? So will you talk mm-hmm. a little bit, little bit about that? Oh, yes. Okay, so I have to say, probably the greatest joy that I found writing the book was being able to highlight the stories of some really amazing people um, and just introduce Mm-hmm. my readers to really amazing women. Well, and it and started so, off like that. Was it the woman in Rwanda? Yeah. yeah. Yes, Florence. And so, um, so I think I derived the greatest story. In fact, my first pass at writing the book before it went through the first major edits, it was all stories. And so my <laughs> editor came back and said, she goes, you, you write such beautiful stories, but the stories are meant to illustrate a point, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we did learn that in high school. <laughs> so you have a point, and then you illustrate it, and so I was like, yes, that makes sense, so I had to go and rework some things, but I love telling the stories, and so in, I've highlighted some really remarkable women who have had to walk through God saying no, you mm. know, and, and people rallying, and how, again, like, how do we 
it's the very thing that you were talking about earlier. Like, how do we um, learn to embrace that no? You know, mm-hmm. um, I have another story about how we serve without seeing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't give it all away, but it's pretty, I think that we don't really get, we have no idea how our lives are impacting other people's lives. And so as we are doing these things, sometimes we just don't even know. And so I have this beautiful story about my sister and and her prayers that she started in high school and, and God, God answering them and then her not knowing for seven years really the outcome of what had happened mm-hmm. after she had the worst summer of her life. So it's a, I, I'm just so thrilled about that, this next half. But when you get to that part, I'm so excited for you to read it. Um, yeah, I've had um, another story, my, one of my dear friends who's walked through infertility and you know, not living here, plan A, and with no understanding and, and how she found uh, the Lord in that and how she learned to open her hands. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot in the second half that I'm really excited about, just some remarkable, remarkable women in their stories. Mm-hmm. Well, and to hear from... And the people in the Bible are actual people too, but people from our time, and yeah. our age, uh-huh. walking yeah. it out in in our time. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, in real time. When uh, when you were talking about doing something and not knowing what the fruit of that is going to be, but still serving faithfully, um, it reminded me of this. I work on a conference here in the Twin Cities, and we had Jill Briscoe come to the conference as one of our speakers. I got to spend time with her. I was like, am I glowing? I know she's not God, but I'm like, Moses coming off the mountain. It was crazy. Oh, can I give you a quick little insight to, she spoke at this lead a couple of years back. And um, I walked into the green room, like there's a, there was a the backstage area and then there was a, like a prep area in mm-hmm. the backstage. And so I walked in cause I need to get something out of my bag. And, um, Literally, the entire worship band that were mostly men were sitting all over the floor, and there was Jill Briscoe just sharing about the Lord. And they were just, and they come to find that they actually agreed to uh, lead worship because they wanted to spend time with Jill. <laughs> and so when she came out to speak, they were like second row, like they were mm-hmm. so ready. It was so, so sweet. So she's, yeah. Influenced so many. Yeah, I bet you were she, glowing. <laughs> yeah, I was. She was a. a we recorded an, a podcast episode too, and she was so. I thought, oh, I'll be in there for an hour, and we'll come out. We'll just re- record the episode and then leave. And we spent three and a half hours together, just the two of us. And I was like, God, what are you going to ask of me from giving me this kind of investment from Jill? I'm all in, though. I'm all in. Um, all in, all in. But she, the, she met a granddaughter of a woman who, when Jill was serving in, I want to say it was the Philippines, it was somewhere in Asia, when she went over and she was teaching women, there was a granddaughter of one of these women that was a student at the university where the conference was. And Ah. Jill, I'm just getting, I'm getting chills and tears talking about it. I'm getting chills too, yes. Jill didn't know when she was teaching those women in the attic what the ripple effect was going to be, but she changed the legacy of that family and this young woman now this granddaughter is studying at a christian university and you you could see the impact that jill said that hadn't happened before so to see i mean talk about somebody serving faithfully and having an open heart open hands and willing heart (laughs) that that describes jill briscoe and then to see her see this fruit was to witness it was just to even witness it was inspiring. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. And I think in heaven we will we will be blown away. I think that there's going to be stories that we will have had no idea that God had done mm-hmm. this amazing. He answered prayer, or He used us in some small way in the lives of some stranger, maybe you know, at mm-hmm. the Target aisle. You know, just who? Yeah. I mean, just amazing. We have no idea. So I think we have much to look forward to mm-hmm. um, as we just see, hey, we were just trying to be faithful. And who knew, you know, picking up these rowdy kids to take them to Sunday school in the neighborhood, you know, would yield this in the future or, right. you know, so yeah, legacy. And I think the trajectory of entire families and communities changes when we 
are sensitive to the spirit and willing to go for it and, mm-hmm. and trust him even when we don't see. So will you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's something that people can get hung up on. Is that, is that me, you know, is that me nudging myself? Is that me wanting to do that? Or is that God n- nudging me or leading me toward something? So will you talk a little bit about what your experience is and how, how that plays out for you? <laughs> oh, this is just like um, fresh manna, Angela. <laughs> so, so, okay, so I think that definitely any kind of nudging has got to be confirmed in the scripture that wouldn't contradict anything that we would read in the scripture. So that's kind of the baseline to know, like, okay, if, if I'm feeling a nudging to go run off a cliff, that's probably not God, right. <laughs> you know, because he <laughs> values and honors and cherishes life. So that, you know, so I think that discernment would be, again, you know, being able to be rooted in the scriptures and to know what actually are, what, what are the words found in the pages of the Bible and knowing God's heart. So I think any kind of nudging that would be against that, definitely don't follow those nudging. Mm-hmm. I think God is faithful though, and he has a sense of humor. And I think that he can kind of, you know, uh, remind us and re-nudge, and mm-hmm. I think when there's like a few little extra pushes, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like me walking our puppy now, like he mm-hmm. just needs a little extra tug, because <laughs> yeah. he just is sitting there, and he doesn't realize that there's so much more up ahead, you know, mm-hmm. so I think God is faithful, and I think he uses other people, I think he burdens us when we look out at the world, and there's certain things that really grip us, that we want to right the wrongs in, I think that that's those are things that I think we need to pay attention to mm-hmm. because there's so many different things. So if there is something that in particular that is grabbing our hearts, it, I think is wise to follow through. And again, it's that open hands, willing heart. It's open hands means that he can, he can give and he can take it away too. So mm-hmm. it's not even ours. So even if we go down a path and it ends up being a supposedly dead end, you know, there's just so much room if our hands are open to receive something different. Right. So in my own life, <laughs> this is my latest story. <laughs> so at the end of uh, If Gathering 2015, they had a little, remember those dominoes? Like we were mm-hmm. supposed to write on a domino, a burden that God has placed on our heart, something, something. And, I still have um, mine. Yes. So mm-hmm. I have my domino and uh, Jenny had asked me to share, you know, um, my domino, like they had a few women go up to the microphone. And so it was for the women in attendance as well as live stream. Mm-hmm. And so on my domino, which I actually have on my desk right now, I wrote down next generation of Asian American Christian women leaders. And so Grace Cho, who was on your podcast recently, she, when she heard that, she kind of felt very emotional, but she also had friends texting her from across the country, different friends. At the same time, going, she's talking about you, mm, you know. So mm-hmm. it was just like there was something that was going on, and, and now Grace and I are friends. We we see each other, <laughs> you know, here in Southern California. Anyways, crazy small world, but that's the this little domino has been sitting on my dresser, you know. And so then <laughs> New Year's Eve, this past New Year's Eve in, in uh, December thirty first, twenty eighteen, I was driving by myself in the car alone. My our family for the first time in all our time, all five of us were in different places to celebrate New Year's Eve. So I was driving alone, having just visited my parents, and I, it was a Sunday morning, so no one leaves Vegas early on a Sunday morning, <laughs> <laughs> so, except for me. So I was pretty much alone on the road. There were a few cars here and there. I'm driving the fast lane. I have my Spotify worship playlist going. I'm having this beautiful, like, we're entering a new, new year, Lord, and I'm singing, and I'm praising, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden, this huge RV from out of nowhere, like a really fancy one, drives up next to me and then gets in front of me, like in the fast lane. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of thinking, what? There's nobody what? else here. What? There's no one here. There's a, I, you know, carpool lane. I mean, just mm-hmm. all the lanes. You could pick any lane. And why are you in front of me? And so I was annoyed. And then after I finished getting annoyed, I looked up and in the back of the RV was a big black Christian fish symbol, mm-hmm. you know, big sticker on one of the panels. And then on the second panel were three words, someday is now. Mm. Stood there just like, you know, New Year's Eve, 
looking into 2019. I'm driving. I look up into the sky like, Lord, really? <laughs> so I go, I don't even know what this means, but I'm in. Someday is now. Someday is now. So it felt very much like a nudge. And then literally as mysteriously as the RV appeared, it disappeared. Hmm. And so I just kind of carried those words. I wrote in the front of my bullet journal. Then at this gathering this last year, where we met mm-hmm. in person, mm-hmm. yeah. after doing the talk on discipleship and the generations and the ripple effect and seeing, you know, we had a, a group of Asian American women that were there in attendance. And they all got on stage as well, talking about the people that have, they're influencing, that have influenced them. Anyway, on and on. It was beautiful. And like, hey, Sunday is now. So just this last week, it was like, okay, let's gather and let's, there's so few resources for Asian American women. There's so such little representation. Mm. The, the Crazy Rich Asians movie was a game changer for Asian Americans. If, there's a picture I've seen of a meme, you know, like mm-hmm. of a little girl, little blonde girl looking at shelves of um, baby dolls that are black, you know, and it's kind of like this, it just jars, like it just flips the narrative. Like, mm-hmm. what would it be like if you couldn't find anyone who looked like you, mm-hmm. you know, so that's what the story of the Asian American woman. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in the old category now. I've been in ministry for 30 years. It's time to raise up this next generation. And so I don't even know what that means yet, Angela, but, <laughs> but something now. So, so we have a Facebook group started and just interest. I cannot believe how much interest, how many direct messages, how people are like, how do we get on board? Like, what do we need to do? So, um, so I'm dreaming. But I saw on Instagram, you actually had a physical gathering of women. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness, it was packed with, you know, one young mom with a PhD and these other women are therapists and teachers and, you know, inner varsity and Christine Kane's A21 and mm. obviously crew and Epic and Campus Crusade stuff, but it was incredible. I mean, I cannot even, and that's just this one, like, literally, we just kind of threw it out there like, hey, want to come? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all these women came and the women that were invited that couldn't come were all bummed. Like when's the next one? Mm-hmm. And then once that was put out on Instagram, now it's like literally coast to coast, you know? So I'm getting messages from Seattle to North Carolina. Like where's the, I'm saying, okay, maybe we just bring it on the road and do mm-hmm. it in places. And I'm, I'm not sure yet. So, <laughs> so this is so fun. Cause this is all, like I said, fresh manna. So the right. nudging and, the reminder and I'm like, okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to live out the title of the book in my own life. Mm-hmm. Open hands, willing heart, open hands, willing heart. <laughs> and it's a good little mantra. It's a good little checkpoint for me. It's a good, you know, how, how am I doing? Am I, are my hands open? Is my heart willing? And I do think that the willing heart piece of it too, it's not that we necessarily end up doing that thing that, you know, it's just the willingness. So I remember um, doing ministry in Japan for a summer with a bunch of college students. And, you know, here it was, you know, 98 degrees with 98% humidity and can't speak the language. I had my three kids here and sitting here and I was having some time with the Lord. And very clearly I felt the Lord asking, Viv, are you willing to sell the house in California and move your family here and homeschool your kids if you need to. If I said so, if I asked you to do that, are you willing? And it stopped me. And I was actually angry about it because I was like, wait a minute, we're already missionaries. We're already serving you. We are, you know, we are doing your work, Lord. I've already checked my boxes. Yes, Mm -hmm. I checked the boxes. I, you know, I signed up, you know, and so it was really a, heart check for me, you know, is like wrestling through it. Am I willing? And it was like, it kind of finally came to, yes, Lord, if you ask us to sell the house and move to Japan to do ministry here, because that's what you want. Our home is yours. My kids' future is really yours. And mm-hmm. you, they're in your hands. And I am trusting that you see things that I don't see. And so, okay. You know, and so I think it's, that posture, which opens up our hearts 
for more. So he did not, in fact, call us to go to Japan. Mm-hmm. But I needed to have that those points in my life to have the Lord really kind of evaluate, like, you know, are, are my you kids willing? Really good? Mm-hmm. You know, am I willing? Am I willing to go anywhere to do anything, to say anything? So that's yeah. So we talk a little bit about in this tiny bit off top. We talk a little bit about that process with your husband. Because that's what I think is interesting when the Lord <laughs> kind of says, yeah. go this way. And mm-hmm. then to go that way, your husband or spouse needs to go that way too. <laughs> and <laughs> when the Lord, when you're not sensing the Lord saying the same thing, I mean, have you, have the, you, Darren, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Have you, have you, have you and Darren experienced that before? Like, how do you have an open <laughs> hand and willing heart? <laughs> And a spouse. <laughs> right. Guess. Right. That is so, and that's the $64 million question <laughs> yeah. because how do you, so really, I think for me, it's again, willingness, like, okay, Lord, even if I'm like, you know, guns blazing, fire in my mm-hmm. belly, you know, just cannot wait. And I want to go down this road. I'm still willing. If you say no, if this is not going to if this is not going to jive with Darren too. So mm-hmm. again, I don't think it's going to be anything that, uh, but I do. So let me go back. I think that the scriptures are clear that we are to love him with all our hearts and strength and mind and follow him no matter what. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is that when Job was challenged in the book of Job, he lost all of his livestock, all of his home, all of his children, 10 children were killed instantly Mm -hmm. his wife was not and i think it's because it's true that when god brings two people together to become one Mm -hmm. and so i think that's why job's wife didn't die you know it's not that you don't have spouses die but i think that there's something uh again i'm not like this major bible scholar so don't quote me on it in terms (laughs) but i just i wonder (laughs) i wonder Hmm, it's interesting could it be Mm -hmm. it's interesting it's it's worth noting i think it's worth noting and so, and, you know, and she just, you know, she's seeing her husband suffering and she's just curse God and die. Like, this is awful. Mm-hmm. You know, why are you staying faithful? So I think that's a picture of spouses like, you know, Job is suffering and he's still trying to praise God. And his wife is like, my arms are crossed and I'm kind of mad and I'm in deep grief. Honestly, mm-hmm. if you think about the grief that she was walking right. through, I have compassion for her too. She wasn't mm-hmm. just being unreasonable. Right. 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 Yeah. So long, like going back around again to how <laughs> I think, I think that, um, I don't think it's often that God gives vision and direction at the same time, mm-hmm. because I think he wants us to work it out with him and with each other. Mm-hmm. I think that that's as, as important as the thing itself is the working it out. And I think a lot of times women hold back because they're waiting for their husbands to, you know, catch on. Mm-hmm. And I may change my mind on this, but mm-hmm. for today, right now, I want to encourage women to not hold back. And I think we can do so in a way that still honors our husbands mm-hmm. and is respectful to them. So it's not like um, a hard attitude of like, fine, I'm just leaving you here on the side of the road. I'm going, I'm going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but it's really us following through on the very things that, God has put on our hearts, and I think that that's, that's important, too. So communication mm-hmm. is such a challenge, and I think I see women often either going one or two extremes. One is that they're crazy, too many words, ah, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. as our sweet husbands are kind of a little bit lost because we're just, like, too many words, too, mm-hmm. too much, mm-hmm. like, frenetic, frantic, you know, yeah. uh, passion, you Emotion. know, just... Yeah. You know, and just crazy. We're just crazy. <laughs> and sometimes we need to let it settle and let the Lord speak, you know, and it doesn't have to be coming out of our mouth. And I think that it's wise to ask the Lord, hey, if this is really of you, would you please change his heart? Mm-hmm. You know, and we just had some missionaries uh, visit our church a couple weeks back, and um, she had been felt burdened to go to ministry in Thailand. You know, husband's an engineer. They're, they had kids at home, but she was feeling that. She didn't say a word. She prayed for two years, and then he said, 
I think we need to quit our jobs and move to Thailand. I mean, it's just crazy. Like, that's wow. part of their story. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing that replaces that prayer, prayerful posture. Right. Like, Lord, you put this on my heart. I'm not going to just go off to Thailand by myself. Um, so if this is of you, then you need to do a work because mm-hmm. it's not looking like it. He's an engineer. He's doing fine. We have all we need. We're very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the starting point of prayer. I think that there, I, I think though, that doesn't mean that we just wait and stay. I think that if that is something of the Lord, then I think we need to do what we can to be equipped and to be, to get in shape, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. spiritually for those the tasks at hand. So I don't think it's like sit on your hands and wait for God to just move them. I think we we are better women, better wives, better mothers when we are, are walking closely with the Lord mm-hmm. and to impact the people that we cross paths with daily and intentionally in other spaces as well. So does that even answer your question? Yeah, it does. And one thing I would add to it is that I found with my husband is that I was blaming, I, you know, oh, I can't do that because Todd doesn't want to do it. So mm, I can't, it's him. It's not me. It's not that I wouldn't do it, Lord. It's that you're not bringing him along, which was a, a condition of my heart that I had to deal with, which would also be a caution. Like, is are there, is the reason you're not doing what God is putting before you are you using your husband as an excuse or a crutch? Because when I actually had a conversation with my husband, he's been, to his credit, really super supportive in things that yeah. he's just, I'm in, I'm in waters that he's not gone swimming in before. And so, mm-hmm. but there's trust and communication happen, and there could always be more communication that happens. But yeah, so I appreciate what you're saying, especially that walking with the Lord and praying and praying because there, there have been things that I really thought God was leading me toward. And I was like, okay, Lord, if you want me to do that, that's something Todd needs to be in on. And to, mm-hmm. God didn't change Todd's heart. So then it's a no. So then I need to wrestle with the no, which is hard. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, yes, yes. And so I think that there's discernment. And I think that that's where it's also good to have wise counsel. You know, if we have women in our lives that know us, know mm-hmm. our husbands, know our circumstances, situations, they could probably look at that and go, actually, maybe you do need to go. Mm. And, you know, at this point in time, it's, this is it's now, you know, this mm-hmm. is the time to do it. And, you know, trust that the Lord will figure that piece out as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, honestly, it's kind of circles back to what we started with, with feeling comfortable in the uncomfortable I think fresh faith is, you can't buy it. No. You just have to do scary things that, mm-hmm. you know, require us depending on the Lord. And I think the Lord wants us to depend on Him. So it's not ever going to be the same. Like, He will not heal the thing. He will not answer prayers the same because He wants us to depend on Him and not a formula. Mm-hmm. So I think that there may be times when it's like, okay, the Lord, if this is a no at this point because... Our husbands are not on board. There may be other times when, like, okay, he's not on board. I still, uh, you know, he's saying yes still. So I still need to follow through and move in. So I don't think that there's a a formula way to, like, stick it on. Like, okay, this is how you do it. Well, Um, I think that would just be easier. That would just be easier. (laughs) And then, give me a formula. I just want easy. I like easy. Where's that little button, the easy button? I just want to hit that. True story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. um, so is there anything that we haven't talked about with the book that you want to make sure we talk about? Well, I did write the book with some really soul-searching discussion questions afterwards. So I think it's oh, a right. great chapter. book. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a great resource for women's Bible studies or small groups um, to you know, to have personally, obviously, to evaluate. But I think the topics are so present time, like, necessary that it's mm-hmm. just, I think you just get more when you can talk through. Like, you just think about this. Oh, I don't like this, what you said here. Or, you know, mm-hmm. feel free to disagree. Or, you know, but I think when we apply it into our own lives is when it really transforms. Mm-hmm. So I, I loved that I had an opportunity. My first book was on my cancer journey. 
called Warrior in Pink. And uh, that was my cancer journey, which is a memoir, which is a story, my cancer story, going through, you know, surgery, chemo, radiation, all that mm-hmm. stuff, um, post-cancer. Um, this one was like a blank canvas where it was like, okay, what what is it that I would love to say? So I was able to dive more into the scriptures, to do more teaching that way, which is my passion. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm really excited about that. So yeah, there's discussion group questions at the, the back, and I... I really, my hope is that the book would help set women free. And I can't think of anything that's more exciting than to think about women walking surrendered and living surrendered because women are amazing and resilient and resourceful. And I think that we have incredible potential to change history Mm -hmm. and when we do it together, when we link arms, it's just there's no, no telling what could happen. And so that part is so thrilling to me. I just, ah. So, yes. So, and, oh, and there's another thing to, about the book, too, is if you're not a reader, I'm going to take the audio book. Oh, next how month. exciting. So it's going to be available. Yeah. So that was really fun. I didn't know if I was going to be able to read it myself. So I'll get to do the recorder, the voice, the narrator. That's, I love that because because when I've heard you speak, it's like sitting across the table from you. Even though I was in a room with 2,200 other women, the way that you speak feels like, like this, like across the table. And that's how your book felt was just sitting and, and chatting. I could hear you. So I love that you're going to do the audio book. That's exciting. And people can pre-order it now. Yes, they can pre-order it on Amazon. And I think just about everywhere, Christian Book the Shivers, you know, Barnes and Noble, it's all, it's okay. all there. Okay. So it's available and yeah. And, and it's, what's it, the release date? July 9th. July, yeah, 9th. July 9th. Great. And I'll make sure that's all in the show notes too. So people can go get a copy of that. That is great. That is great. So I forgot to tell you before we started, you asked if there were questions and there are two questions I ask all my guests. So oh, um, <laughs> take your time if you need to think about the answers for these. The first one is, because it's called Retreat House Podcast, how do you retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? What does that look like for you? Oh, that's such a good question. I think it's a little bit of both, of of all, really, Mm -hmm. depending on time of year, time of life, season of life. Like when having young kids, I think I retreated (laughs) into my car in the garage <laughs> like that was my office and I would take naps there <laughs> it was just like the only place I could be alone mm-hmm. so it was my car in the in the garage um now uh for the first time I have my own office in the house now that the boys are older so mm-hmm. I took over my daughter moved into the my son's room and now her room is open so I have my first office and this feels like a retreat to me because it's filled with the things I love mm-hmm. and I have my little fountain, my essential oils, <laughs> you know, my books, my mm-hmm. my lights and candles and all that. So that feels like a retreat to me. Um, I love to retreat into a book, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm just lost in the pages. I just, that's really enjoyable. I think that, you know, take time. And I, and I love to retreat in beautiful places as well, you know. So I'm a mountain girl. I grew up in Colorado. Okay. So uh, I, I live near the beach, and it's so beautiful, but the beach, the ocean kind of intimidates me. Mm. It's just so vast and so deep, and the waves are so big, and, <laughs> you know, who knows what's in the water. You know? <laughs> so it's like, so I have a hopefully a healthy reverence, but I'm not, you know, one to just jump into the water and splash around. I'm a mountain girl, so I love the smell of pine and aspen trees, and so retreating in beauty like that. And then my other question is, if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would it be? <laughs> oh, I need pages. Pages <laughs> of celebrating weird. Um, let's see. The ways that I am weird, like I'm thinking of um, the stupid human tricks or whatever, like my mm-hmm. ankles, I can make feet crack, you know, like yeah. I will let crack. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> Um, one of my favorite stories that you told at if gathering was when you got, when you bought that dress at target, even though it was full price (laughs) and you wore it all over (laughs) and then realized it was pajamas. (laughs) Yeah. 
yes, yes. That's just, I have so many of those, like, moments, like, most embarrassing moments where it's just like, really? I just wear my pajamas to church <laughs> on date night. <laughs> Actually, one of the things that is weird for me, too, okay, another weird thing is that I, so my first language was Chinese. I grew mm-hmm. up speaking Chinese at home, and then once I was in preschool, you know, obviously went to school and learned English, and so, uh, but Chinese is my first language, so this is my excuse. I always say, well, you know, English isn't my, it's my second language, <laughs> but I mix metaphors all the time. So I'll be, like, in conflict with my husband, and I'll be like, and it's just head and antlers, you know. <laughs> You know, or kicking yourself up and down the block. Or, I mean, I do this on the regular. It's like, I don't know if it's chomping at the bit or biting at the chomp. Like, I still really don't even know. Like, I just, like, you know, I use these mixed metaphors, and I, I really mean well, but I even make up words, like, you know, and you just jettapult. And it's like, okay, is that catapult or jettison? <laughs> I don't know. Look forward. You know? It's like, so it does add some humor to our conflict when I'm all, like, puffy and I'm making up words or using my metaphors. Yeah, that is definitely weird. Hashtag weird. (laughs) That's great. Well, thank you so much, Vivian, for coming on the podcast and sharing about your book and sharing some of yourself. I appreciate it. Oh, I love having this time with you. We'll have to do this in person next time. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for joining me at the table. Any links or anything that we talked about during the show can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please go leave a review so others can find us too. If you want to keep up with what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Again, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast.